had a bad day? Some of you have. It wasn't really a bad day yesterday. I was helping Cindy move, and I was looking for some young guys. Where were y'all, man? I'm telling you. It was like um, I, I picked up more plants than I did when I was gardening from my own house and, uh, and, so, and moved them. But, uh, but uh, we've all had bad days, right? And it, it, you know, I mean, you know, uh, when I was little, younger, I didn't get in a lot of trouble because every time I did something, I got caught. Anybody kind of like that? Uh, we went ringing doorbells one time. Anybody ever done that? Well, the, the guy that we rang his doorbell had evidently had his doorbell rung before. And he didn't come out by himself. He brought a Remington 12-gauge. And, uh, and so my friends, they ran around that way. I was the smart one. I'm going to run through the woods uh, right back. And I was doing pretty good until I ran into a tree. And, uh, and he was shooting in the tree limbs above us. So I'm hearing pellets flying through there thinking I'm getting shot at. And uh, when I woke up from hitting a tree and finally made it back to my friend's house, they were laughing at me and stuff like that. So, you know, we've all had, had bad days. I could go on. I mean, you know, Gil's not here, so I can tell my train derailing story. When I was in the sixth grade, I was a model student, and uh, we were playing by my dad's charcoal company. And we saw this train back up in my neighbor that we lived by and also next to his plant had opened up something like a Home Depot before they ever had Home Depot. And it was going to be a, a building center supply where you could walk in and pick your stuff out. Didn't have to have the contractor go in. And so the train backed in unloading stuff, and, and he was pulling it. We saw him, this little yellow switch we'd always seen these cars parked against. And so um, we went over and flipped that switch. Well, not we. We just dared this young one with us, the youngest one of the three. And he went over and flipped that switch, and, when that, and then we ran, all right? And, and we heard this loud boom. And we didn't know what it was, but I knew it wasn't good. And that night, they were having an open house, and they were having barbecue chicken. Now, y'all know I'm a foodie, right? Barbecue chicken, one of my favorite, I mean, homemade, cooked over a grill. Barbecue chicken is one of my favorite things. And I told my mom and dad, I can't go. I don't feel good. Are you sure? They just kept trying to talk me into it. So when they came back, my little brother's going, yes. <laughs> Somebody derailed a train. They got cranes out there picking it up and putting it back on the track. And I'm getting really starting to feel bad now. And so don't think anything of it. Monday, I'm on my way to recess at school. Remember, I'm a crossing guard. I cross kids across a busy street. I'm responsible. The principal catches me. I said, Robert, some men want to meet with you. And I'm thinking, I wasn't thinking really anything then until he introduced them. Railroad detective, the FBI, and the city police detective. And I'm thinking, I will never see my mama again. And, uh, and they said, son, we, uh, we know you were playing down at the railroad tracks, and we just want to know if you saw somebody down there. Let me tell you something. Can y'all spell rat? I told everything. I, I sung like a bird. I gave them my friend's phone number, where their daddy lived, where they went to school, everything, man. Because, I mean, FBI, you never saw your mama again. That was a bad day, right? And, uh, and so I don't know why I thought it was over at the end of school. I was at home that night, and I see a police car pull in my front driveway. Well, we live with 50 acres of wood, so I went running out and hid in the woods for a while. And I finally came back home, and it was real quiet at my house, except for my little brother was laughing because he just figured I was going to die, and he would get all my toys. I mean, you know, and, uh, and so the boys I was with, they were brothers. 
their daddy was saying, you better be glad you're not Bob Story, son. He's getting beat to death right now. And my daddy was saying, you better be glad you're not John Richards, boys. They're getting beat to death right now. None of us got a whipping. We didn't see each other for a year, but, I mean, <laughs> we didn't get a whipping. So it's kind of a bad day when that happened. Fortunately, thank God, we confessed, and because we confessed, we all confessed, uh, the railroad department didn't press charges on us. And so we didn't go to jail, and my parents didn't have to pay back like five years of their salary to put that train back on there on the, on the thing. But we've all had bad days. And so that's why I didn't do a whole lot, because I always got caught. And so I just didn't want to. And my dad had perfected skipping school, so I knew I couldn't skip school. How many of y'all have skipped school? See, my dad makes Ferris Bueller look like a rookie, and, uh, except for when my, and my grandmother didn't play. And I knew that if I skipped school, he'd just let, he'd turn me over to her. And uh, one time when he skipped, him and some friends went fishing, and they, well, they went down the river, and my grandmother found out he wasn't in school, so she called the other two boys, asked the school if they were there. They weren't there, so she called their mamas, and they were all waiting on the bank by where they would have to bring the boat back and my dad and them are coming up the river in the boat, and they saw their, all of them saw their mamas sitting there on the side of the bank. They turned the boat around, and my grandmother said, you got to come home sometime. And uh, so they came on back, and the, and the boat rotted to pieces before he ever got to use it again. She put a chain on it. So I didn't want to be turned over to her. And, uh, so, but we've all had bad days, right? And, uh, and, and so we talk about Jesus having a bad day. We call it Good Friday. It was a good day for us because we got salvation out of it. But think about it. It wasn't a good day for Jesus. He got arrested, a fake trial. He got beat up, and then he got executed on Good Friday. So it was anything good. But because Jesus knew how to handle bad days, we need to learn from him how to look at bad days. So look at Hebrews 12, 2, and it says this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, we, there, there's not a time more than today, I think, that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and not on Fox or CNN or MSNBC or Facebook or anything else. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. There's a few times that growing up where your mama might have told you, you need to keep your eyes on Jesus or I'm going to introduce you to him personally, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, but, but we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And look, it said, who both began and finished this race we're in. You see, Paul over and over talks about our Christian walk as a race that we're running. And, and, uh, and, and you know, I've said it before, we, when I used to run, you would, you, you know, you, you're running and you want to finish that race. And, and so if you want to learn how to run better or how to train better, you talk to people who are better than you at it. And so he said, keep your eyes on Jesus because he's already run this race we're in. He's already overcome temptation. He's already been persecuted. He's already been betrayed by friends. He's already been disappointed. He's already been executed. He's run his race and he finished it. And so he said, we, we need to look at the next part of this verse. It says, study how he did it. We need to look at Jesus and see how he lived it. That means we need to spend some time in the word of God. We need to spend some time in the, in the uh, gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You need to spend time in the word of God. It says, study how he did it. Because, see, Jesus, had, he was goal-oriented, and, and the goal was our salvation. It said, he, uh, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way because he had his goal on that. What was his goal? Your salvation and my salvation. Our forgiveness of our sin. 
And now he sits at the place of honor right alongside God. So the, that's, that's the part of the intro. Week one, we talked about uh, Jesus' first thing was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, right? And, uh, and, and so we learned in the first week we're to forgive everyone who's trying to ruin our lives. Now, how many of you know that's difficult, right? I mean, I don't know about you. I'm wanting to, like, lash back. I don't, I don't, want, to forg- I don't want to forgive them. But I have to because God has told us that's what we've got to do. And you know what? When you do that, it works better. Second week, we talked about helping others who experience the same struggle that we are. You see, God will bring you through something so you can help somebody else go through something. See, he's going to bring you maybe through a loss of a job or loss of a friend or loss of a loved one or uh, whatever. And so you can help someone else. Some of y'all have uh, kids that are no longer teenagers. You can help those with teenagers. Some of the, y'all with teenagers, you can help those who are about to have teenagers. And, 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 by, and all these things, uh, different things. Some of you have been through a divorce. You can help somebody with a, that's going through that. And so we can help others. God will always use us. Uh, he'll, he'll bring help for us so we can help others. The third week we looked at, last week we looked at when you're going through a bad day, be sure and take care of those near you. Jesus was on the cross, and he looked down and saw Mary, and he said, Look, John, I want you to take care of my mother. Because, see, at this point, James and Judas and his sisters didn't believe in him. See, Jesus had some brothers and sisters, and they didn't believe in him. But if you remember, there was a time when they said, uh, Jesus, your, your mom and your brothers and sisters are out here. They were coming to get him. They thought he was crazy. And, uh, and, and so... At that time, they didn't believe. Now, they became believers at the resurrection. So Jesus is suffering on the cross. It's about noon, and it gets dark. So things are getting worse. How many of you have ever had a bad day, and all of a sudden it starts getting worse, right? It got dark, and it's getting worse, and, and so the wind's blowing and all that, and, and there's an earthquake, and all kinds of things are going on. And some people are starting to think, well, maybe he was the Son of God. And, uh, and so he hung on the cross in the dark for three hours. And in the middle of that, he says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Anybody ever felt like you were by yourself, like you were forsaken? I mean, you can be honest. We've all at some point felt like, God, where are you? I mean, where are you? I mean, uh, you know, at this point for Jesus, it was the first time in all of eternity he was separated from the rest of the Godhead. Because he took my sin on him. And God the Father cannot be present with sin. And so, I guess if you were putting it in human terms, God turned his back or whatever, you know, to where Jesus was separated. And he felt forsaken. He was feeling what we feel when we go through hard times. And, and so maybe, maybe you've been there. Maybe when, when you had a loved one dying and you're wondering why God hadn't done a miracle. Why hadn't the medicine worked? Why, you know, why this? And, and so God, you know, I, I remember, you know, when my uh, dad was dying and I couldn't get there, you know, and it was frustrating and, and uh, you know, and stuff like that. Or maybe it was when you're going through a divorce or maybe you, you lost a job and you're wondering, God, where, why, man, I go to church, you know, why am I losing this job? Why can't I pay my bills or loss of a child or the loss of your dream? See, we, we go through things and we feel that, what Jesus was feeling, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I believe one of the things this statement does is it gives you and me permission to question God. Somebody said, ooh, 
man, I don't know if you should ever question God. And I know people, that, that's the, I like the Holy Grail. Let me tell you, his shoulders are big enough for your questions. His shoulders are big enough for your questions. And, and that's actually the most human thing Jesus ever said was, was questioning God. So I want you to write this down. Lesson four is aim your hard questions at God, not at man. I mean, you can ask me all the questions in the world, and I don't know all the questions, answers in the world, but God does. So we need to, add, we, you know, God can handle, he can handle my doubts, he can handle your doubts, he can handle your questions, he can handle our pain, and, uh, and listen, even there are times when we don't have answers, but God has answers. But you know, Pastor Kathy was telling a story at a funeral about a, a man who had had, or a lady actually, who had had an experience in heaven, she went to heaven, and she said every question she'd ever had, you know how you make that list of questions for God, was answered. But when she came back, she didn't remember the answers, but she knew the answers were there. We've, we've got to, you know, we've, we've got to know he's got the answers. And, uh, and so, but we tend to burden ourselves. We're trying to figure out why. And we just need to ask those questions of God and not of ourselves. So sometimes, I mean, you know, what can we do when life doesn't make sense? And there's a lot of times. I remember in high school, I had a good friend of mine. Uh, he was a good Christian guy. He was like mentoring some of uh, us other guys, and, and he was on his way home from school on a motorcycle, and a truck pulled in his lane, dead, just like that. And, uh, and it didn't make sense. Where was God? Let me tell you, more people came to faith in Christ through his funeral than probably he would have led to Christ had he lived. But uh, so here, write this down. When God doesn't make sense, we've got to trust his nature. We've got to trust his nature. Now, you've got to understand his nature to trust his nature. See, when life gets crazy, we've got to learn, we've got to, we can trust God and trust his nature. Too often, we think that God has got a lightning bolt and a hammer. He's either going to zap you with it or he's going to smash you with it. Anybody besides me ever felt that way? I mean, before you really got to know God? And uh, y'all need to be real and honest here. We grow up thinking God is waiting to punish us. Doesn't want you ever to have fun. You catch you have a little bit of fun, he's going to smash you down. That's not who he is. Uh, you know, look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of what? Compassion. And the God of all what? Comfort. He's a, he's a compassionate God. He's a God who brings comfort. Look at this next verse, 1 John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is what? Love. So you see three characteristics right there, compassionate, comforting, and loving. He's all of those. And, and so there's no evil in God. You know, he is, he is those three. Th We've got to learn to trust his nature. And, he's a, and, and over everything, love, God is love. It's, you know, it's, it's an overarching characteristic of his. And so we, we've got to learn to trust his nature. When God doesn't make sense, we've also got to trust his promises. And there's a lot of promises, you know. Sometimes we don't feel like God's there. That's when we need to trust him. It's called faith. If, if, if you always saw his presence, you wouldn't have to have faith. But we grow in those times when it feels empty sometimes. Look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.20. He said this, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. See, you can trust the promises of God in his word. You can trust those promises because they're yes in Christ. And so in through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So 
We can trust God when he's making those promises. Now, you might feel forsaken, but he'll never, he'll, look what else he says. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Anybody ever felt alone? I tell guys at the jail all the time, when you go across the street, that means to court. God's going to be with you there. When you face your boss at work, you face your, your teenager, you face whatever situation it is you've got to face. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He'll be there with you. His presence will be there. Jesus felt forsaken and he called out to God, but God was there. Another promise, I love this one. Romans 8, 28. Look at this one. God causes everything. What does he cause? Everything to work together for the good of those who love God. Now, if you've committed your life to God, you love God, and guess what? Everything that's happening in your life, he's using for your good. Does that mean everything is good? No. But he'll use it for good. I could tell you tragedy after tragedy where so much good has come out of those, still a terrible tragedy. But good came out of it. And, uh, and so that's what he does. He turns tragedy, uh, makes good things out of or lemon, he makes lemonade out of lemons, you know, so to speak. And, and, uh, and so God causes everything to work together for the good of those. Doesn't mean that the things that happen are good, but he will bring good out of it. I always tell the guys in jail, is it good for you to be here? No, but good can come out of it. Is it good for you to lose a loved one? No, but good can come out of it. Is it good to lose a job? No, but good can come out of it. So all of those things, God is working for your good. So trust his promises. The next one, when God doesn't make sense, trust his final destination. Let me just tell you something. Heaven is better than earth. Should have got an amen or two on that one. Heaven is better than earth. It's going to be better there than it is here. We're riding down St. Charles Avenue today, and uh, Pastor Kathy's birthday, we went to eat downtown. And, and she said, you know, this is like heaven. We're looking at all these houses that we can't afford, you know. <laughs> so, so we're driving down there, and she said, heaven's going to be like just all these mansions, but it's even going to be better. And, I mean, it's a pretty drive. Just the, It had rained. Everything looked clean, you know. And, on, and, I mean, heaven's just going to be better than here because guess what? Even though we can't afford one of those houses here, we got one there. Jesus has gone to prepare a place. And, uh, and so, what's that? Hopefully somebody else can clean them. That's right. <laughs> Have angels to clean them. That's right. No dirt in heaven. You don't need a vacuum cleaner. You don't need a vacuum cleaner. That's right. And, uh, and so he says this in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Listen, if anybody had an excuse to complain, it was Paul or to question God. Listen, therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outward we were wasting away. What does that mean? Paul's probably losing weight, looking kind of gaunt, looking kind of sickly. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a, but yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. He was getting stronger in the spirit. But look here. For our light and momentary troubles. Let me tell you what some of Paul's light and momentary troubles were. He got stoned several times. Not the kind you smoke. We've been to Israel. They have rocks everywhere. There's nowhere in Israel they don't have rocks. You could be anywhere, and they could say stone him, and there's plenty of rocks to pick up and stone somebody. They throw those rocks at you until you're dead. He's been left for dead two or three times. He's been shipwrecked. Once he floated around on a piece of wood for overnight. Uh, then another time he got bit by a snake picking up firewood. Paul was left for dead several times. 
And, and he's, he calls that light and momentary troubles. I'm thinking, I hadn't done anything that's quite that bad, gone through that yet. And he says, he's, he said, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. You see, he's, he's achieving an eternal glory. And, and so there's, a, there's, a, there's a, an eternity ahead of us. And when you suffer here, you don't suffer there, but you build up rewards and glory there. And he said this, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. We don't fix our eyes on our job, our, our stuff, our boats, our cars, all that kind of stuff. He said all that is temporary. We fix our eyes on what is unseen, your relationship with Christ. God, you, you fix your eyes on the things of God because, look, for what is seen is temporary. It means it's all going to be gone. I've never, or well, once, I saw a uh, uh, truck that hauls money. Uh, what do you call it? Um, armored car. Yeah, I saw an armored car behind a funeral procession on Causeway one time. But, but, you know, it didn't have anything to do with it. You don't see the armored car going to the graveyard with somebody. Because whoever's left going to keep that money. You know, and so you can't take it with you. All that stuff is temporary. But your relationship with God is not temporary. See, we knew a man one time got on a plane in Texas. Before he landed in Iowa, he had lost over a million dollars. I'd have jumped off that plane if it had been me. But, I mean, he didn't, not really. But he had lost over a million dollars. But, you know, fortunately for him, he had his eyes on what's unseen. He loved the Lord. And, and, and see, all our stuff, we can lose our stuff, you know, but we can't, we can't lose what God has given us, that relationship with him. So Jesus experienced the worst on earth so we could experience God's best in heaven. And, uh, and so that's what we want. So we can trust in his final destination. Let me give you, you know, we're always going to ask why, and that's not always the best question. Usually it's what can we learn, but here's some practical things we can do. While we're asking why, let me read you Isaiah 63, 9. I'm going to give you three, three or four things. In, in all their suffering, he also suffered. Talking about Jesus. See, when things you're going through, anybody in here ever been mad? Guess what? Jesus got angry. He just didn't sin. Anybody ever been betrayed? Jesus went through that. You know what I mean? Anybody ever lost a parent? Jesus went through his dad. Joseph is never mentioned after Jesus was 12 years old. And, uh, and, and so, you know, Jesus, he suffered just like we have. And he personally what? What's the next thing? Rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. Them is us. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. So you're going through a hard time. Guess who's carrying you? Jesus is carrying you. So what can, what can we do that's practical? Number one, write this down. Learn while you're asking why. Learn while you're asking why. Start saying, what do I need to learn, Lord? God, we can, we can learn while we're going through these bad days. Hebrews 5, 8, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. If Jesus learned obedience from suffering, how do you think we're going to learn obedience to God? Through suffering. That, that's, you know, and aren't you glad you came to church tonight? You're going to suffer. That's how we learn. Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. 
And, and so we need to, when we're going through pain, God, what is it you're trying to teach me here? You know, I've, I've had times where I've gone, okay, God, let me learn the lesson so this will stop happening. <laughs> you know? Okay, anybody with me? I mean, you know, it just kind of keeps on happening sometimes. And so somebody said this, pain is a passport that will take you places that you never could have gotten to any other way. Now, I want to leave that up on the screen. Think about that for a minute. Pain is a passport that will take you places that you could not have gotten to any other way. One of the things Rick Warren was talking about the other day on that interview was when his son committed suicide. He said, I get four or five calls a week from business leaders, political leaders, celebrities, people that are calling with issues like what he went through. And he's able to minister to them. And because he's been through it. And, and so we need to, you know, pain. He said, I never, I never, never wanted this ministry. But pain is a passport that will take you places you could not have gotten to any other way. So learn through the pain. God, what are you teaching us? There's always a purpose to our pain. Paul said this, in fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. You know, how many, how many of you know we... We try and fix it first, right? He said, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely what? Only on God who raises the dead. Who's got more power, me or God? God does. And so I need to rely on who? God. That's who we need to rely on. And that's what Paul said. We, we expected to die, but as a result of that, because he thought, hey, look, we've done everything we can do. We can't do anything else. Okay, God. And now look. I want you to listen to me for a second. Paul, Paul said, finally, we just had to learn to rely on God. You think, wait a minute, Paul, hadn't you been relying on him for a while? But see, all of us can get a little bit off track. And he said, we just had to learn to rely only on God. And so we need to, we need to learn while we're asking why. We need to love while we're asking why. You, you can love the, while you're asking why. Who can I help when I'm hurting? You see, we t- it takes a focus off your pain and helps you help someone else. Hebrews 13, 16 says this, And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. So don't forget to do good and share with those in need. Those are sacrifices that please God. So we need to always be doing it, always be looking for how we can help other people. When we're hurting, you know what God's going to do? He's going to bring people who are going through it just like you are, and you help them, and guess what it all of a sudden, you see the solution to your problem sometimes, and it helps you. Paul said this, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Y'all, that's a powerful statement, and, and, and it's a true statement. He, he doesn't just comfort us through our troubles so that we can be through our troubles. He brings you through them so you and I can help some other people. See, I don't know what it's like to struggle with an addiction, but some of y'all do. And you help other people. We got people in this church helping other people. And, and I don't know, you know, some of the things you've been through, but you do. And you can reach people that I can't reach because he comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. God brings you through something uh, so you can help others. So you love them while you're asking why. And thirdly, worship. While asking why. We need to worship while we're asking. What's one of our purposes? You may be crying yourself to sleep. 
I mean, you might not even want to think about God. You're in the middle of your pain, but if you want healing, you make that shift and you begin to worship. You know, David, one time, I think it's in Psalm 73, he said, he said, uh, he, he looked and he said, he said, God, why do the wicked prosper? Why do the wicked prosper? Here I've lived my life by the law. I've done everything. And they're prospering. He says, oh, it would be better if I hadn't been born. He said, and then I looked into your sanctuary. He began to worship. And he said, I saw you. And I saw their end. And he gave him peace. See, when you worship, you see God. And you see the purpose for your pain. And, and, and when you try and figure it out, David described it, when you try and figure it out on your own, it wears your brain out. Because you just get in a circle trying to figure out why, and you can't. So you just begin to trust God. So you worship while asking why. Worship God. And, and look what it says here. We're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. We don't worship it. I, I, one of the things that's cool about the set tonight, it kind of was that awe kind of, you know, especially that last song. Man, I just like power coming out of that song, man. You know, but we worship him with awe. And, and holy fear. Holy fear is not afraid of God like you would be a bully. It's a, it's a reverence for God. For our God, look at this, is a devouring fire. Our God is a devouring fire. And let me tell you, as you worship him, that devouring fire is going to burn up your pain. It's going to burn up your fear. It's going to burn up your loneliness. It's going to get rid of your hurt. It's going to burn up your depression. That devouring fire can bring you healing in the middle of all your pain. So when we shift our focus from me and now to God and then give him my very best, even when I don't feel like it, he will begin to do a miracle in your life. Let me tell you, when my little mama died, you know, I basically worshiped all the way to Rome, driving and crying and singing and listening to worship. And, uh, and God showed up like never before. Did that when my dad died as well. And, uh, and, and the psalmist says, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. Let me tell you, folks. We proclaim his name to our brothers and sisters. I will praise you among the assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering or the needy of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. When you worship the Lord going through your difficult times, he will show up. I can't, there's no formula for it. I used to sit and think, what would it be like if my dad wasn't here? And I'd try and imagine it. I'd, I'd just cry. I'm a crier, so y'all just got to get over that. <laughs> Jesus cried, so I can cry. And, and, I, and, I, and I'd try and imagine it, you know, and... and um, yeah, I was a little more ready for my mom. I had her longer, but we knew that was, that was coming. There wasn't any wondering why she was dying. She was 99. She was ready to go to heaven. I'm praying for her to get healed. One of the times when I went up to the hospital, she's shaking her head. I said, Mom, we've got to come to an agreement. She said, then you've got to agree that I'm going to heaven because I'm ready. I mean, you know, she's like, and, uh, you know, but, but let me tell you, when you begin to worship God in your worst times, he'll show up. He'll show up. You see, the further away we feel like the Lord is, the smaller he looks and the bigger our problems are. But when you worship, God gets real big. When you worship, God gets real big. And, uh, 
And so we've got to choose to worship. You know, real worship isn't just the singers, although we're going to sing again. Are we singing that last song again, or which one y'all do? And uh, whichever one y'all going to do. But real worship, write this down, is trust in God when life doesn't make sense. Because there's a lot going on in our world right now that doesn't make a lot of sense, but we've got to trust God. We've got to trust God. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads just for a minute. Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching on, online, I don't know, and you've never really trusted God. See, it all starts with an initial trust in Jesus as your Savior. And we've got to realize God loves us, He has a purpose for our lives. But our sin is what keeps us from having that relationship with Him, from having that, that trust in Him. So it starts with you trusting Him as your Savior. If you're here tonight and you don't know for certain that if an asteroid hit this building right here, that you'd live and go to heaven, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I've lived my life my way and not yours. Tonight, I give you my life. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. Be my Lord. And as best I can, Jesus, I give you control. It's in your name I pray. Amen. It's just that simple. That if you meant that with all your heart and you prayed that, Jesus just came into your heart. And he saved you, forgave you of your sin. And I want to pray for each one of you here. Father, I just pray, God, that you help us. That, Lord, when we're going through a bad day, we can learn, we can love, we can worship. Lord, when we're going through and it just doesn't make sense, let us focus on you, God, and worship you, God. Because when we build our life on you as our foundation, we're sturdy, and I know we'll stand the storms that are coming our way. So God, for anyone here tonight, maybe they've prayed to receive you as their Savior, God. Maybe they've just kind of slipped off onto some sand, God. I pray that tonight they would get back up on the rock, the rock of salvation, the rock of your word, God, and that they'll begin to walk on that rock and base their life on the word of God, not on how they feel, not on what they want, but on, the, on your word, Lord. Because I know when we build our life on your word, life works. So God, I pray for those here tonight who might be struggling with addiction or strongholds in their life. Lord, help them to get back up on the rock. Lord, for those who are here tonight struggling with discouragement and maybe disappointment and even depression, Lord, help them get back up on that rock, that foundation. God, for those who are just struggling with different issues, Lord, of life, Lord, help us to focus on you, God. Because, Lord, when you're big, our problems are small. So, Lord, we want you to be big in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up. We're going to worship together. Oh, before we worship, we've got a, a thing to do. Then we're going to worship. This is Pastor Kathy's birthday. So y'all got her a card.
Got to read the card, and then we're going we're going to sing a good one on the way out. million different ways and I'm thankful for all of them. Happy birthday your River Church family. Thank you. Yeah, tell her mine was for me and not for us. She always says what's yours is ours and what's mine is mine, so... Well, y'all, let's stand up and let's, let's go out with a shout of worship here.